So we will talk a little bit about grounding through meditation. Um, and also the healing effects of meditation. So as we were just talking about, um, it's actually funny that when the power went out in Andover, I gave a talk here. So it's like the only times that I've talked about it, I've been sitting in this room. Um, so that we were just talking about it again, kind of. But um, yeah, when, when the power went out and people didn't have their phones, their TVs, their computers, kind of the normal distractions, even light, even just having electricity in their house. Um, it, like I was saying, it kind of brings people almost into a forced retreat that you're kind of put into this framework where all of your usual distractions, your usual um, kind of channels for finding joy or pleasure or not having to feel things in your life, they're all kind of cut off. And you're just sitting in your house, maybe with your partner or your kids or a pet or a candle or whatever it is. But you're very much kind of forced just to be there with what's in front of you. And that, for some people, ultimately was a very positive experience. And for other people, it was a horrible experience. And why would that experience be positive for some people and be horrible for other people? So for people that were able to have a positive experience with that, it meant that when all of that happened, they really felt that they were able to connect back to themselves that they felt comfortable in their environment, that they actually realized they felt safe and grounded and secure and happy and that everything was okay. And some people I talked to said it was almost like camping or something. You have like your candles out and you're kind of sitting and there's something that's very cozy and nice and warm about that feeling. And then there was other people that it was really like their definition of hell that they're stuck in this place and they can't do anything they want to do and they're restless and irritated and upset. Um, and when we saw people driving around on the roads, there's you know, more road rage that I, than I've seen around here. It was, I saw a lot of people honking and yelling and giving the finger and stuff. Just within those couple days, it was a lot, it was crazy. A lot of irritation. And it's funny actually on Facebook, somebody had posted, um, if you had to live in, it was like a picture of a cabin in the forest, if you had to live in this cabin for 30 days with no phone, no TV, no computer, and no electricity, but we would pay you a million dollars, would you do it? And that's something that I would pay to do. Like, I would pay them to go live in a cabin. Like, that sounds awesome. But there was a lot of people that their answers were no way. You know, that they're like, no way, without no electricity, no way, you know. And I think that maybe is also a bit of a generational thing that I know there's a lot, you know, I was raised as computers were just kind of coming in, you know, cell phones just became a thing when I was in high school. So I kind of know what life was like before and after, you know, and you guys too. Um, and there's a whole generational that doesn't know that they were born right into it. There's two-year-olds with iPads, you know. But I think on top of that, we see a lot of people our age, yeah, a lot of people in our generations that even though they were raised without a television or a phone, 
it's become such an integral part of their daily experience, especially in terms of it gives them pleasure, it distracts them from things, um, it gives them something to do or to be busy with, that when that's gone, there's a real sense of, well, what am I supposed to do now? Almost like a loss or a confusion. And ultimately, the crutch is being taken away and so A, they feel, where's my crutch? Where's this thing, you know, that I go to for my pleasure? But then also, it puts them right back into having to look and feel themselves. And if you go and you look at people who are, for instance, alcoholics, right? Oftentimes, um, maybe there's a loneliness, right? Or maybe there's some kind of an unhappiness or a pain or a dissatisfaction with life that they turn to alcohol for a good feeling, for some kind of a kick, for some kind of a numbing, some way to kind of distract them or to put them in a state that they don't have to feel pain, some kind of a painful thing that they don't want to feel. Um, and when you start looking around, you'll see that there's a lot of different kinds of crutches that we use in our daily lives to either give us good feelings or to not have to feel painful ones. And when we talk about meditation as something that can be healing and grounding, one thing is that when you sit down to meditate in a room like this, for instance, it's a pretty boring, pretty simple room. Um, there's not beautiful, cool artwork on the walls. There's no music playing. There's really nothing going on. There's nothing to do. So it's very simple, purposefully because you're really forced to sit in a simple space and then what do you actually see? You see how much noise you've brought into the room. If there's nothing going on around you, there's some people that they've tried to go into soundproof rooms and they can only spend five or 10 minutes there and they have to take off because when everything around us becomes quiet, what amplifies is our own mind, our own feelings, the, the things that are going on inside of us. And this process of having to slowly start facing ourselves is the number one most difficult process in the world. Because when it really comes down to it, almost every problem you can imagine it comes down to facing yourself. All of the arguments you've ever had, all the fears, all the heartache, all of the pain, except maybe for the physical pain, it's kind of you against your own mind, you against your own feelings, you against your own thoughts, even if they're being represented or projected or arisen by people or in events or things around you. Ultimately, you're only ever feeling your own feelings. Ultimately, your pain, it's not that the dog died or something happened in your family or those people suffering over there. Your actual on the ground problem is the pain that you feel. Yeah, the thing that you're experiencing that you don't want to be experiencing. And it's kind of a slow process of starting to come back into yourself, starting to take a step towards yourself, step towards the things you don't necessarily want to feel or look at. You start then seeing the structures and constructs in your mind. So what is it that keeps your mind spinning and running all the time? Why are we always worrying? Why are we always complaining? Why do we always think we're not good enough? Why do we always think we have to do more? What are the beliefs that are creating these structures that are keeping us spinning and spinning and spinning? 
really going down into the roots of those beliefs and saying, what is that? What is that from? Is that real? Is that actually real? Even if I feel that it's real, is it actually real? Yeah? And starting to really look and deeply deconstruct, untangle, unravel that stuff, to really be honest and bring some, some wisdom and understanding and love into those places. And slowly this feeling of grounding starts to occur through the healing of the mind that we start bringing presence and love and openness and understanding and gentleness to ourselves and the mind starts opening up in these kind of pockets of mental, emotional, situational energies that have been kind of stored away. They start coming to the surface asking to be looked at, to be felt, to be healed. Um, I have a friend, he lives in Connecticut and he is a therapist of sorts. He does spiritual therapy as well. Um, but there was a little girl who came to him and her parents, her father was very abusive towards her mother. And the father, I think, went to jail even. And the little girl went to my friend and they were talking. And she said, how come I just keep seeing the pictures in my mind? How come I just keep seeing what happened? And he said, because you need to feel them. Because they're coming up for you to feel them. For you to really feel you know and sometimes just being able to feel is actually all that we need to heal something to feel it to express it to let it come through to come out and then ultimately also to kind of be finished with it many of our problems come from the fact that we don't want to feel things that something happens so we push it away an event happens, so we push it away. Somebody said something, we don't want to look at it, we push it away. There's so many things that we're pushing away that a lot of our energy is actually being used keeping feelings, thoughts, situations, memories kind of deep in our subconscious, trying to jam them into the corner. But A, a lot of our own energy then is being wasted because we're so busy trying not to feel and look at these things. But also those things are a part of us. So we've kind of tied ourselves into these weird psychological knots that, you know, we all experience as kind of neuroses in different ways. That also creates different kinds of monsters in us and different shadow sides that we don't want to look at and feel. Because they're parts of us that haven't gotten love, but that's still there. So they start to grow and speak out and act out in different ways. Um, so one of the most powerful things that I did um, in the monastery was really starting to sit and to feel and to accept whatever was going on in my mind. And um, maybe it would be a, an argument that I had with somebody and it would be running in my mind and I realized, okay, I had this argument maybe 10 years ago, but it's still running, why? And I'd feel, yeah, because this person was calling me lazy, and no, I'm not lazy, and da, da. And then I kind of stopped, and I said, you know what, let's try doing this the other way. Okay, I'm lazy. Okay, I'm the laziest person that's ever lived. I'm the laziest of the lazies. I don't want to do anything ever. I just want to lie in bed and relax and just have people feed me and do nothing. And my feelings, like, that's kind of true. And I was like, yeah, actually, it is kind of true. And I said, but at the same time, I also am quite active and I do a lot of things. But just by really fully kind of accepting that, it kind of dissolved that whole thing. Because I was like, you know what? Yeah, that person was right. I am lazy. So what? 
you know, and suddenly it wasn't a, a monster, a shadow of me anymore. So it's like, yeah, that is me, but that's also just a part of me. And it was only once I really fully accepted my laziness could I see also that there's also part of me that I'm not lazy. And it was really my own judgment that I thought that if I accepted their point that I was lazy, then suddenly I'm a bad person or I'm not good enough or something bad's gonna happen. But really by accepting their point and really breathing and feeling it in my mind, being like, okay, fine, yeah, I'm a horrible person, I'm the worst, I'm the worst person ever, I'm so bad, my gosh. I'm so bad, you know, suddenly it's like, what have I been so afraid of this whole time? What is it that I've been fighting against? There's no problem. Once you accept those parts of yourself without judgment, Nothing, you kind of realize nothing happened. And if anything, you suddenly get a new strength and you feel stronger and you feel more connected to yourself, more grounded. And it's this healing process, which is weird because, you know, we often have this understanding of like good versus bad or like light and dark. And, you know, if someone calls you lazy, that's like a bad and dark and negative part of yourself. So you're always trying to fight it, you know, with the good part of yourself. And no, I'm going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to do this and I'm going to fight it and be perfect, you know. And we're like fighting. Let's say, you know, Star Wars is out right now, right? So it's like the good and the bad forces. And they're fighting with each other, you know, for who's right and who's dominant. But the thing is, you can never win against your shadow side. It is impossible. The hero in your, in your world can never, ever, ever win against the bad guy. Because the bad guy is you. And the bad guy is just a part of you. And the hero is your judgment of that. So if I have a hand with five fingers uh, and I think, oh, I should only have four fingers. So I start judging that and beating my head and try to, you know, maybe I can hide one of my fingers when I walk around so people only see four of them. You know, I created into this whole kind of weird thing that I'm always fighting against. And, uh, but it just is like that. You know, the pain, it just is there. The parts of yourself that you don't want to look at, they're still there. You know, and instead of kind of fragmenting yourself, breaking yourself up, you know, because when we talk about healing and disease, you know, disease often comes from a place of, of blockage, of disconnectedness, things that aren't in the flow anymore, right? Nature is a flow. As long as things keep flowing, they stay healthy. A river, as long as the water keeps flowing, it's fresh. If you dam it up, it starts to stagnate and get kind of like moldy and, you know, flow. So health, it's really a lot of flow. That's why you're supposed to drink a lot of water, breathe a lot of fresh air, exercise, right? So a lot of movement and flow is really important for health. Yeah, but also in the mind, to stay mentally healthy, we also need to have that flow. And any time that we come upon something that we don't want to feel or look at, and we kind of fragment it off or compartmentalize it or push it away and say, well, that's not me or I don't want that, you know, you're actually creating a block in that flow. And then as it's trying to flow, you're going to hit to that thing and no, no, it's not there. And you create, yeah, a real neurosis inside of yourself. And we all have them, you know, we have lots of them about different things. We're all mentally sick in different ways, right? So it's not like the people out here are healthy and the people in the institutions. You know, one of the things I learned at the monastery is I am deeply mentally ill and so is every other person that I've ever met. You know, we often just don't see it. Or we're functional to some degree. You know, the reality is that we are all just trying to hold everything together. 
you know, there's some people that just put on a better face about it or present themselves better, but we are all really just struggling to hold it all together, always. Yeah, and even if things are good and, oh, yeah, I'm great, everything's fine. And if things are really fine, I guarantee that's because you just happen to have a lot of things in your life that are going well, you know, that you just happen to have your family happen to be doing well, or your friends are doing well, or you've got some money, or you got, you know, that there happens to be like things that are going well, so you feel good. But as soon as one of those things shifts, you know, as soon as uh, Bitcoin crashes, right, as soon as like somebody in your family gets sick or dies or something, as soon as something happens, right, suddenly you're not doing well anymore. Your whole thing drops. Yeah, because how you're doing, it's very connected to also everything else around you. It's not, not really in control. You know, you're not really so in control of, of how you're doing as much as we want to be. Um, and also just mentioning that point, again, looking at Facebook and things, and very often it's this place where everyone to show how, how well they're doing. You know, that we're all walking around with these masks on saying, yeah, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. You go to pretty much anybody, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay, I'm good. You know, just the standard kind of gut reaction, but nobody's really doing fine. You know, or we are like right now, but there's at least five different kind of construction areas in everybody's life that they're working on that they haven't really figured it out. Or, um, and that's like a stigma for some reason in our culture is to say, I'm not okay. That I don't have my shit together. Yeah, that I'm falling apart. And just to be able to say that, but also not to say that and suddenly there's something wrong with you. Or then people are like, ugh, and they kind of want to stay away from you. Or they come, oh, are you okay? You know, to be able just to sit there and just really expose yourself, honestly and genuinely, but also for that to be okay. To really be able just to show yourself and say, but also you are all the same way as I am. There's nobody here that has it all figured out. Yeah, and to really be that kind of open and vulnerable, that's also one of those things where, you know, we create a mental disease around trying to be perfect, trying to look good, trying to be presentable, trying to seem like we know what we're doing. You know, but to really just open that up and expose that and admit that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. We're all trying our best. Some people, maybe not even, but like we're all trying our best, but nobody knows. We don't know what this life is. Yeah, the only truth of life is that we're here and the only other truth is that we die. Nobody knows what happens after you die either. So it's like the only truths are two things that we have no idea what they're even about. And we build religions and beliefs and things to help us, you know, feel more comfortable with those, you know, things that we don't know. But at the end of the day, maybe you believe something, but you don't know. And belief and knowing are very different. Yeah, so really when it comes down to it, to admit our vulnerability, to admit our brokenness, to admit our uncertainty is actually a strength. And to be able to breathe that stuff in, to feel it, to accept it deeper and deeper and deeper, to allow it to be a part of you, but then also see, you know, I am also right. I am also strong. I am also capable. I am also loving. Yeah, I am able to carry great amounts of weight for long amounts of time. You know, a lot of us carry a lot all day long. and We have been for years, you know. And that's amazing. We're all superheroes in our own way because of that, right? To really start getting down to the roots, to the base, to, to being more honest, more genuine, more open and loving with ourselves, um, it really allows the mind to start to settle. 
Yeah, because when we're fully, you know, accepting, in tune, allowing, present, when we don't have any expectations for ourselves to be other, another way, you know, if we're not always pushing ourselves, when you sit down and you close your eyes, you'll notice that you're just kind of sitting in a place that feels more peaceful, a place that feels more relaxed, a place that feels more grounded, a place that feels, you know, we're all looking for this oneness. We all want to feel connection and togetherness and oneness. So if we stop pushing parts of ourself away, which continually make us feel alone and broken, and you know, if we allow all of ourselves to come together, we could feel more of that wholeness, more of that togetherness. And that's kind of what's going to eventually lead us also then deeper into finding mental peace, emotional peace, stability, right? healing, wholeness, like the holistic, like healing the whole thing together. And also that's what meditation is. When we say concentration, the mind comes together to one place, right? So it's all coming together. It's not broken and, you know, it's all coming together to one place. It unifies, the mind comes together, it unifies. And that's also why meditation ultimately is peaceful, is because the mind drops everything else and it just unifies with itself and it really becomes stable and whole and full. And you know, speaking from experience, um, when I've been on retreat, I've been able to sit for, you know, three hours at a time, or, you know, you just kind of close your eyes, and it's just so nice, peaceful, blissful, just, to, you just drop in, and just nothing matters, time is fine, you know, it's just, you're floating on a cloud, and everything's okay, because you're just completely there, on all levels, and all ways, and the mind realizes everything is fine, everything is fine yeah and it's kind of the process from where we are now or from you know how we walked in this door to getting to that place you know as much as there's a lot to do also in a strange way there's nothing to do we're already complete it's already there it's really just about accepting allowing being loving connecting shifting perception yeah, that's wisdom. Wisdom's often just about a shift in understanding. Yeah, so I think we've probably done enough. We're probably exhausted from doing, which is why we're here in this class. Yeah, so we're actually ready just to be able to, yeah, just let it go, be enough for ourselves fully, and then also just allow the mind to, by itself, sink, stabilize, ground, unite, concentrate, and just rest and be at peace. So that's my impulse for the class today. Um, and now we have about 20, 25 minutes where we can, yeah, just reflect on that, but also meditate. I'll lead us into kind of a relaxation meditation. And then I'll just leave you all there to kind of stew in the relaxation juices and, yeah, give yourself a break.